Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thank you, guys. Wow, that sounds amazing. So beautiful. Such beautiful things on the horizon. So good. Well, good morning. That worship was phenomenal. Really, anybody could get up here and preach the gospel after that. <laughs> right? So good. So I have just loved so much um, just Blake's vision about performance. Was that so good? Last week he picked up on that. It was so beautiful. I loved Lauren, the, the way she's just anchoring us to what the Lord is saying right now. It's, it's so good. And, um, you know, <laughs> no one gets to bypass this journey of wiring that out of us. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you were born on the earth, you were born into a process. It, it, it just never ends. So uh, if, if you had the goal of a finish line in your process, just a big dose of reality. For those of us who have been following Jesus since we were nine, <laughs> it doesn't end. Yeah, and it actually becomes the very joy and sustenance of our life, that the process is our happy place. The process makes us rich, because the process is where he is. And this morning, wherever you are, is where Jesus is. Jesus is not where you should be. Does anybody have some ideas about where you should be? <laughs> Emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally. Jesus isn't out there. He's right here where you are in this moment today. And nobody in this room has more access to Jesus than you. Nobody in this room, nobody outside of this room has more access. If you are a born-again believer, has more access to the presence of Jesus than you. No born-again believer has less access to the presence of Jesus than you. And so, you know... Uh, when we look at uh, performance, you know, there, there is a place for performance, and it's inside of stewardship. And inside of stewardship, that thing in you that absolutely wants to crush it gets to crush it. That thing in you that knows you were born to change the world. Inside of stewardship, that gets to arise and shine and be a light so bright 
that you're like a city on a hill, that people in the valley, the castaways, the broken, who are longing for hope, can look at the brightness of your rising and find a way home. And the primary difference between performance that is outside of stewardship and performance that is inside of stewardship is the intention of your heart. And it's 100% invisible. So once we get a hold of the fact that we've all lived to the bondage of performance, we can just start judging everybody for performing. Well, she's really crushing it, so she needs to be set free. She reads her Bible every day. So religious. Oh my gosh. You have a quiet time? I am so past you. intention, the invisible intention of your heart is where the kingdom is. The invisible intention of your heart is where Jesus is. It's where the Father is. It's where the Holy Spirit is. And performance is always trying to get something. The intention is to pull that I use my gifts, my talents, my callings to pull significance, to pull worth, to pull love. And the most powerful thing about Jesus is he left everything to put on flesh, to take the very form of a servant to come looking for the part of you that is bent to beg, that is bent to perform. And, you know, that part of you does not need discipline, does not need deliverance. Performance is not something we crush. It's something we pull in close to the kindness of Jesus. Because it's only the kindness of Jesus that has the power for lasting transformation. And inside of stewardship, the motive, the invisible motive of our heart is I've come to give. I've come to give, and my primary place of giving is as a priest. And I turn every aspect of my life into an altar. And it all becomes worship. And inside of stewardship, you get to absolutely crush it. And inside of stewardship, you get to be absolutely mediocre. 
you get to be really bad at some things. Because if you're really good at everything, you probably aren't living submitted to the lordship of Jesus. Because Jesus was on a mission to disappoint the right spirits. Jesus was on a mission to offend what needed to be offended, to violate what was not love on the earth. And inside of stewardship, lots of people are not happy with you. Lots of people would not be doing it the way that you're doing it. Inside of stewardship, we make definite decisions to have a king and to live with one opinion guiding my life. And so I would love this morning to to look at John 10 together. If you want to open your Bibles there. Um, And just look at Jesus together for a little bit. And in John 10 verse 1 it says, Uh, This is Jesus talking, and he says, truly, truly. So it's like twice as true. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's just pause there just for one second. You know, um, (laughs) it's amazing to me um, that Jesus is saying, you'll know that it's me and that I'm good because I'm using the door. And, (laughs) you know, the, the work 
of recognizing Jesus honors the boundaries that surround your life as, as the one who, who actually owns the very air you breathe respects an invitation to let him come in and out of your life. And so, you know, the work of boundaries in our life is as spiritual as Jesus. That everything in the kingdom starts with a door. Everything in the kingdom starts with a boundary. And it's super narrow. <laughs> there is not, like, I'm going to try Jesus. So much of our disappointment with Jesus is truly our disappointment with ourselves. And recognizing this yes to Jesus will require an endless amount of no's in my lifetime. And this yes to Jesus is the rudder directing my life. And Jesus himself, even in, in, Revela in Revelation, it says, behold, I stand at a door and I knock. If you open to me, if you respond to my request, to my bid for intimacy with you, I will come in and dine with you. So when we're saying, Jesus, you have my yes, we're saying, I choose a life directed by this one yes for all of my life. And it's hard to look at this passage of Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd without flashing on Psalm 23. Right? And we have David, who was an actual shepherd, uh, who actually killed a lion and a bear, literally laid down his life to protect his sheep. And one of his most famous songs, still generations later, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. What, what did that mean for an actual shepherd who killed a lion and a bear saying, my God is my shepherd. I shall not want. And what, what he is saying is, not, I'm going to discipline myself uh, in this relationship, so I want nothing but Jesus. Has anybody ever tried that? It's how we become famous for being grumpy. 
and ungrateful <laughs> and stingy. Right here. No, nobody else out there. I'm, I'm talking to us right here. <laughs> because the high place of the Christian life is not discipline. The high place of the Christian life is fullness. Because Jesus said, I came to give them life and life abundantly. Abundantly means it's measured in the overflow, that you have more than you need. So what David is saying when he's proclaiming, the Lord is my shepherd, and what that has produced in my life is I want nothing. And if you're in this room, you've probably had the experience of moments with Jesus where your heart is so full. There's nothing that could be set in front of you that could tempt you. Because fullness is the greatest protector of your purity. And when you look at a marriage, my discipline, my self-control is not my greatest contribution to the purity of my marriage. If I'm coming home every night to my husband and be like, whoa, it was crazy out there, babe. I mean, I, I was sweating bullets just trying, you know, to give you my everything out in that wild world. You know, but I overcame by the blood of the lamb another day. Another day, babe, I choose you. His grace is sufficient in my weakness, you know? Nobody's spouse is going to feel like that is the most romantic thing anybody has ever said to me. The greatest purifier of my marriage is my heart is full with this man. My heart is full. I want nothing. I want nothing. I choose him. I am overflowing with gratitude. He's the greatest gift I've ever received in the whole of my life. Abundantly above and beyond all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. Baby, I'd follow you anywhere. Which would you prefer? <laughs> so, you know, I chose Jesus today, but whoo! I really wanted everything else out there. <laughs> Nobody is attracted to that kind of God radiating off of your life. The greatest gift the people of God give the world around them is their will of happiness to be one of these sheep. The will of happiness. I belong to a king. And if you could see 
trust it wholeheartedly to this king. He has defeated me. I want nothing. And you know, this is, is, is what goodness looks like. When it is not discipline directing our heart towards Jesus, but it is kindness. It is mercy. It is goodness. And the number one thing, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy is your perception of his goodness. Moses cried out, God, show me your glory. Let me see your glory. And how did God respond? He said, Moses, hide in that rock. I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. The glory of God is the goodness of God. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy your perception that this shepherd, his every motive towards your life is good. And, and the lie we get twisted into is I learn about the goodness of God by studying my circumstances. You know, it's a trick. Well, let's just sit here and reason together. Did God really say love would have boundaries? Surely that can't be good. Did love really say it has limits? That can't be good. And the beginning of our story is to buy a lie that the shepherd would lead you anywhere but into the green pasture of his heart, of his intention. We do not learn about the nature of God on the earth. Our assignment is to bring the goodness of God to the earth. Most of the fingerprints that you observe on the earth right now are stealing, killing, and destroying. And when we attribute what belongs to the devourer, to a king who came to give us life and life abundantly, it is impossible to trust him. He is not the orchestrator of everything that has happened in your life. We are in a war. 
and we have an assignment to step into a hopeless, broken, groaning earth that is waiting for sons. What, what do sons have? Sons have access to presence. Sons have access to nature. Sons know what the Father is like. And the earth is groaning for, for those people to arise and bring what the Father is like to the world around us. The gospel is not a magic trick. We're not walking around the earth with a wand, fixing everything that has been breaking down for generations of human history. This is what Acts 10.38 says, have you not heard about Jesus who went about doing good, destroying the works of the devil? <clears throat> you cannot destroy what you do not validate did not come from the kingdom of Jesus. Let's jump down to verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is profound. I know my own just as the Father knows me. That is, that is too much to comprehend. None of us doubt the Father and Jesus had that kind of intimacy. I know you and you know me. Most of us don't wake up in any sense of insecurity about the connection Jesus had with the Father. Our struggle is that Jesus came to make that level of knowing available to each of us. That the greatest weapon our faith is used for is recognizing I am the sheep that he calls by name. I'm the one. You're the one who he knows in the same measure that the Father knows him. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing is that Jesus said before he was leaving, 
listen, I'm going, but you can ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. Has anybody asked anything recently and you're waiting for the fulfillment of that promise? <laughs> um, the key here is in my name. And this shepherd is leading you to himself. That the, the primary place you are being led in and out of green pasture is to the presence of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. And when we ask, what we're learning is how to ask in this place of knowing. That I know him like he knows the Father and the Father knows him. I'm asking inside of that knowing. What is his name? His name is wonderful. So when I am inside how wonderful Jesus is, what am I asking for from that place? His name is Counselor. When I am inside the counsel of Jesus, when I have made a home inside of his wisdom, what am I asking for? Almighty God, when I am living inside how huge he is, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, Everlasting Father is his name. Prince of Peace. Emmanuel. The greatest transformation that will ever come to our lives does, does not come from an awareness of who we are. It comes from an awareness of what is his name. And how does he feel about me? Inside of this knowing, this is, this is where we get, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. When you are absolutely delighted, when your heart is full, what do you long for? That is your destiny. You know, it says in Psalms 23, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Uh, you know, when you look at that word soul, one of its meanings is the seat of appetite. That in the stillness with this shepherd, he's restoring me to my original design for what I crave on the insides. The seat of my appetite is refined in a place of fullness. 
So let's just all stand together. One of my greatest, uh, a couple of my favorite parenting quotes, which also just reflects leadership of, of any kind, is the greatest gift you give your kids, the greatest gift you give any sphere of your leadership is your own well of happiness. That I am coming with a fullness that does not depend on you. I'm coming with a fullness that I need nothing on this earth to validate is real. <laughs> I'm coming with an awareness of the goodness of my God that I am not checking in with anything on the earth to know that it's real, that it's true. And so this morning, Jesus, we just say all over again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you've made every provision for life and life abundantly. And this morning, we just receive so fully the portion that belongs to us. Because we belong to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.